All right. Um, I'm here today with my sister, um, Gretchen. What should I call you, Gretchen? Do you have a last name? Do, you, do I want? <laughs> it's Walstead. It's Walstead. You were there. <laughs> I was. I was. Okay. This is my sister. One of them. Um, and the reason she's on is, uh, other than to make fun of me, is to um, to talk about NDC, which is nonviolent communication. And it's, uh, it's something that she has been practicing for five years or more, um, and I'm going to let her talk about it. We've talked a little bit about it. I know some other people who are doing it, who are, who are um, steeped in it, and who try to practice it. Um, and I'll just let, I'll let Gretchen, welcome to the show. <laughs> the eyebrow. Okay. Sorry. Um, and so, so what is, what is NDC? So nonviolent communication is a, it's a, it's a communication practice that was developed by a man named Marshall Rosenberg back in the late sixties. And he was a student of human conflict. And so his, uh, his life's work was in observing, understanding, and trying to um, alleviate conflict between humans. So he developed this practice and it is a, it's a little like, I think of it as a being a little bit like yoga for the heart. It's a, it's a, um, it's an awareness practice that allows us to develop clarity and understanding about what's happening inside of us at any given moment. I, that's kind of an overview. I can get into more of the basics or the, the details of the practice in a little bit, but um, the purpose of the practice is to enhance connection and that's connection to ourselves. And then when we choose it's connection with another person, I see it big picture as an antidote to um, tribalism. And that's my interest in practicing it is to be able to live in the world in a way that that I do believe promotes real peace. I think I would like to live in a peaceful world. And I do think the only way we're going to create that is if we first start with creating peace in our own bodies, our own selves, our own um, small circles of, of influence. So it's, I think of it as a, a little bit of a tool, a communication tool that, we, that I use very often with myself. And that's really the most important use of it. And when I choose to bring that tool out in an interaction with somebody, because I'm choosing to try and connect with them um, in, a, in a meaningful, empathic way, I can use that tool. But I don't have to. I don't always use it in, in, in uh, interactions. Does that give you a sense? Yeah, that kind of, that, it, it does. So, so that brings up so many questions. Um, <clears throat> you know, I'll just dive into right now, you know, I feel like we're as a as a country we are more divided than I've ever seen in my lifetime and more than I than I ever kind of thought possible even right. before the elections even before covid-19 you know there was this division which you know I I think is is deliberate on some people's part there's there are people who profit from us being divided and at each other's throats um right how how does you practicing this for yourself, how does that help in the bigger picture or does it? Is it really just something that applies to your personal life? I would say the primary, um, my primary purpose is so that I'm not participating in the tribalism. I think it takes an entire tribe, an entire nation of people participating to create the kind of division that you're describing. And 
the, to the degree that I can remove myself from that and, and not fall into that very natural tendency to want to react to others in a tribal, hostile way, I am changing the world in the only way that I really can, which is changing the way I interact, not only with, with, with other people, but with myself too. I am, you know, when, when I'm, when I'm in an NBC place mindset, um, it is, it is a non, and I should, I should clarify the, you, the, the term violent because it's, uh, let me just take a little, yeah, a yeah, please sidestep a little bit and, and explain um, Rosenberg used the word, not the phrase nonviolence, because he was trying to appeal to the nonviolent crowd of the sixties. So the word violent, when I bring up NVC to somebody, they often think, oh, well, violence is, is using foul language or it's screaming. It's not his, let me define violence in his terms. Um, I think of it as small V violence and it's any kind of language, any kind of communication that is intending to coerce. And believe it or not, that could include compliments. So <laughs> that's sort of, you know, it's a detail we don't have to go into, but it's using language in a coercive way is violent. So if you use the phrase and, and if, you, if, if you're a diehard NVC pra, you know, practitioner, then you, you use the word should. You should go somewhere, you, know, you should go to the, the movie that I just saw would technically be considered violent because you're coercing somebody rather than trying to um convince them peacefully right and just to clarify because i know people are going to object to this um you're not saying you're not equating that kind of violence his rosenberg's violence with violence that would be legally actionable you're not you're not equating it with um sort of the 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 ancap view of violence no. or coercion this isn't this isn't aggress this isn't this doesn't constitute what he's talking about isn't something that constitutes an aggression on someone no it means something different what it means is an attempt to coerce any attempt to coerce behavior to coerce an outcome and and, and coerce in the soft of- sense not in the i've right. got a gun here i'm gonna this is what it's gonna just coerce in the sense of of what what does coerce mean to him to uh, persuade, to to impose your will on somebody else. Okay. And maybe it's by gentle persuasion. I'm going to impose my will on you just for a moment here because yeah. your your camera is jiggling around. So, oh. okay. Um, I think maybe my leg is hitting the desk. Okay. Maybe I, I think <laughs> my leg was touching the desk. Okay. It's okay. okay. <laughs> so it it's, yeah, it's it is essentially any language that we're using that is uh, rooted in a desire to control somebody else. And that can be Mm. our children. And it doesn't mean you don't talk. It doesn't mean we don't use that language. It just means the practice is about bringing an awareness to the nature of our own intentions when we're Mm -hmm. conversing with somebody or we're frankly conversing with ourselves. We very often are telling ourselves, I should get up and work out today. I should do this. So So the practice um, is a, a, a practice of, of attending to the nuanced language that's, that's going on in our own minds in addition to what we're in, how, how we're engaging with other people in the world. So it's a little bit hard to describe. Um, it's a little like trying to describe yoga to somebody, you know, without showing them and without walking through the practice. So yeah. I'm, I'm giving you kind of an overview and, um, well, what are the That's results? The what, what's, what, what have you seen <clears throat> like in your own life? Oh um, or I know you've had groups uh, going, right. 
what are some of the results that you've seen or changes that you've seen? I would say large picture, the intention, and I, I see this uh, result all the time, is that people are less driven by impulse hmm. and more connected to their own deep needs that are driving the feelings they're having that, and the feelings drive the impulse. So let me just stop for a moment and explain that NVC, the practice is rooted in this, grounded in this idea that um, all of our feelings are expressions of needs. Met needs, like if we're joyful, it's an expression that our need for affection is met, let's say. If we are hostile, that hostility, if I'm feeling hostile, that's that hostility is speaking to an unmet need. And maybe the unmet need is a, a need for, um, let's just say, uh, consideration. So, so I would say the primary different, the primary result that I witness both in myself and others is that there's less reactivity and, and the reactivity is what drives us to behave in ways that mm -hmm. we don't really want at the end of the day to be behaving. We, we don't really want to engage the world. I don't think, I mean, there may be some people who do, but I don't think we really want to engage that animal impulse, um, in the world. I don't think we generally feel good about ourselves when we're engaged that way. Of course, there's a time and a place for it. And, and, and the practice of NBC also, it makes very clear that you don't judge yourself if you're behaving in a way that's overtly violent. And then there, there are times to use overt violence, of course, in the, you know, usually it's in the, the, um, in a protective sense. So, so there's no judgment around that was a, you shouldn't use the word. I shouldn't have said should, or it's, it's really about, connecting our, uh, with ourselves enough to understand, enough to give us a sense of, um, I don't want to say control over ourselves, but it sort of plays out that way. We, we, you have more choices about how to engage the world and how to engage yourself. We're not just running around impulsively responding to the, you know, the Trump sign in somebody's on somebody's lawn or the bumper sticker on somebody's car and we're, you know, it's, it's about bringing in an attentiveness to what's happening for us in that moment and understanding what's happening so that we're not locked in this sort of internal hostile, the cycle of hostility that we beat ourselves up for, 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 you know, behaving a certain way. And then that we act that out. And then we, it, it just perpetuates. It sounds like what you're describing sounds a little bit like, you know, you've got sort of to oversimplify the, the two parts of the brain, you got the lizard brain, and then you've got the more fully developed hum, human brain, yeah, and or, or rational brain. And it sounds like what you're describing is, you know, we all have lizard brain that's going to, you know, fight or flight, jump at any, you know, anything that that stimulates it and react with emotion. And I don't think you're saying you know, shut that down, but that if, if we can learn to be aware of when that's happening and what's, what's happening when that, when that gets activated, then you have a choice right. as to right. whether to honor the lizard, lizard brain or to yeah. think more rationally about how you would rather respond or, or, you know, how maybe you're being manipulated or how, you know, things are not as they appear or that kind of thing. It's, it's sounds to me like you're talking about choices having choices more available to you in your own mind as to how you respond is that that's exactly what it is it's about bringing awareness and choicefulness to how we engage period how we engage with ourselves how we engage with our spouse how we engage with the neighbor down the street um 
it's it, it is about sort of shining a light on these processes that, that, that tend to drive us unconsciously during the course of our day. And we don't really understand why we're agitated. Or maybe we think we understand, but maybe we really don't. The um, one of the, the things that Rosenberg really um, focused on was the idea that that we are all subject to the same universal human needs. We all have the same universal, we all have the same needs. Uh, there, there's a, a list that we use in the practice that has, you know, maybe 60 needs listed on it. And the, the goal is to connect our own feelings to one of those needs. And if we can understand that we're not bad people for wanting to honk the horn of the guy with the bumper sticker in front of us, that really there's an actual need that we can empathize within ourselves that is that, that feels very uh, unmet by, by, <laughs> by the presence of this bumper sticker. Or when you're in an, in an interaction with somebody else and you can say, you know what, that person has the same needs that I do. Their strategies for achieving those needs are vastly different. You know, everybody, um, one of the sort of shocking things that usually comes up in, in a practice session is, I'll make the point, according to Rosenberg, every everything we do is in service of a need. And it's in service of a universal human need that we could all relate to. And people will say, well, but you know, what about Hitler exterminating mass quantities of people? It was a, that, that's an extreme uh, example of a very tragic strategy. He had a need. We don't know what it was. We don't want to make room for people like that in our world, of course. But if he understood his need, there was probably a need for something in there, stability, uh, structure, who knows? And yes, his, his strategy was, was so, so my point is strategies can be tragic and they can be just horribly destructive, but it doesn't change that everything we do, every action we take is in, is in service of a need. So um, getting back to your question about, about uh, the lizard brain versus you know, sort of rational frontal lobe, the, the 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 animal brain drives so much of how we experience so much of our experience and and i think so much of our experience goes unknown our own internal experience all we know is we maybe feel really agitated and depressed and we don't really know why i think people can relate to uh, i imagine a lot of people feel the way i do which is i feel really hostile i feel a lot of hostility toward people i have loved over the years and, and some that I don't know, but I feel, I feel a new and growing hostility that I have to wrestle with. I don't want to take that hostility. Hey, I don't, I don't want to, um, I don't want to marinate in it myself. And, but B, I don't want to take that hostility out into the world and, partic and, and participate in that. There's so much that's already there. I want to try and manage my own hostility without imposing it on, without, without bringing that out into, into the world. Sometimes, sometimes I choose to <laughs> the lizard brain and it's like, but you know what, it's a conscious choice. I'm deciding. Yeah. yeah I know that. No, that's, that's maybe not, I'm going to maybe feel guilty about that, but I'm going to do it anyway because it's going to feel really good in this moment. And I do. And it's a, you know, it's just, again, it's about choicefulness. Yeah. And it just, to me, it's, it seems like getting a handle on that could be such a powerful tool because one of the, you know, there are, there are clearly, I think at this point in our history, we can look and see, yeah, there are people who 
want that lizard brain to be what's directing most of human action. There are people who benefit right. from that, who, you know, who are very happy to see people at odds with each other and writing in the streets and all that. Um, so this, this ability to stand back and say, oh yeah, that's, that's the old lizard brain going on and telling me I should do this. And maybe, you know, maybe I do want to do that, but let it be my choice and not, not just, you know, the guy in there making me, you know, just respond to things without thinking. Um, you mentioned tribalism and I think there's, um, there are sort of two sides to that. I think in, in, in a lot of ways we are, we're becoming more divided. And some of that I think is just that divisions that didn't matter before now really do matter. Like whether you want to, you know, whether you're terribly, terribly afraid of germs, let's say, or whether you are more comfortable being in nature and choosing more natural healing methods. That's, that's just one big division that's come up. Um, I think when you, when you say tribal, I don't, I don't think you're saying that we don't have differences or we don't have, there aren't things that divide us. But when I hear, when I hear you talking about tribal, I hear like this tribal impulse of, defend what's like me and attack what's different from me. Not that we should, because there's also this view, and I hear this from, from a lot of people that, oh, you know, if you, um, if you're, if you're not, if you're going to attack tribalism, that means you want this, you know, one monoculture or one world where everyone is the same or everyone has the same values. And that's not it. So to me anyway, that's not it. When I, when I talk about the, the tribalism in the sense that I think you mean, it's more about this instinctive protecting the things that look and feel and sound like me and my people and instinctively attacking anything that's different. Is that what you mean? That's what I mean. I, I think there's a hostility in the tribalism that I'm talking about. There's a um, othering you know, people who draw, drawing a fine line, just, and, and what, what you can see if you look around, it's that it's really dehumanizing people who have whatever differences you decide are the important ones. And you decide that they're not even worthy of basic consideration. So to me, the, 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 when I speak about tribalism, um, there is a, there's an undercurrent of hostility and, and just maybe even destructiveness um, or, or, what, did, what word did you use? Protection and uh, attack, assault, attacking. Yeah. Mm. So it's there, there's that that sort of internal warfare that we you know where we we divide ourselves off and decide those people don't deserve. They're not really human anymore. I mean, I see this all the mm. time. Um, but you never see it in NBC groups, right? <laughs> I see it in NBC groups too, and it usually comes as a great shock to participants when I point it out that I see, well, if you're going to talk about that particular group of people, let's take a step back and, and, and examine that. And if, if we're here to practice, some people call NBC practice empathy practice. And I think that's a fine term because we are practicing empathy, self-empathy initially or, or, or primarily, and then empathy with anybody we choose to extend that to. So there's an empathy, uh, the point of empathy is in if you're in if you're so if you're in conflict with somebody anybody, um, the guy at the gas station, you you have a choice. You can either engage this way, and do whatever your your animal would like you to do, and maybe you'll 
get the resolution that you want. Maybe you'll get what you, um, maybe the outcome will be what you want, fighting for, for whatever it is you want that way. Let's just say it's a parking spot. So maybe you'll get what you want by cursing at the guy and giving him the finger. Um, but maybe if, if you have other tools in your toolbox, you'll get what you want, which is let's just say the last parking spot and you're in a hurry by appealing to their sense of humanity. And essentially nonviolent communication is really about grounding us in our own humanity and grounding ourselves individually in, us, in our own humanity um, and bearing responsibility for our feelings and our actions and taking care of our own needs, getting our own needs met. We're not looking to other people to meet our needs. So in the case of somebody taking your park or taking the last parking spot, or let's say you're negotiating for that last parking spot, you can either negotiate aggressively. Chances are you're not going to get the parking spot. And if you do, you're going to come out and there's going to be a big ding in your door, or you can try to negotiate from a place of understanding and extend some empathy or or, or ask for some empathy, or this wasn't a great example. But, but the point is we can choose to engage somebody from a tribal viewpoint, or we can choose to see them as human, just like us. And we can appeal to their sense of humanity and we can draw from our own sense of humanity and imagine that person who cut me off on the freeway, um, my initial reaction is to, is to respond from my lizard brain, but maybe, maybe they're in a hurry because their child is, is going to the hospital and maybe they, you know, I don't really understand. I don't really know, but I, but there's just a difference in how we engage people. We come into contact with who, who, um, or interaction leaves us feeling kind of stimulated, you know, in a negative way. Mm-hmm. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Can we talk about my hostility now? <laughs> sure. Here's, so here's, here's what I've been having difficulty with. And uh, I've talked with other people about it too. And uh, a lot of people are feeling this now which is um, it's going to be really hard for me in the future to even have conversations with some of the people that I once considered friends. And that that's, you know, not because of the elections. I, I feel like, you know, the last time around with the elections, I, I think, I, I feel like I did a really good job of, you know, of course I didn't have, I didn't have any investment in the outcome anyway. So you know, I, I wasn't really in the thick of that, but I really tried to sort of hear what everybody had to say and, and be civil and have whole, have civil discussions on social media and that sort of thing. Um, but now we're living in a world where, you know, I'm in California, so we're kind of getting uh, some of the worst of it. Um, it's not an exaggeration to say that the, the government of California has gone full on totalitarian. You know, they've, they now think that they can, they can dictate to us whether our businesses can open under what conditions they can open. What I have to wear, if I go outside, I, I have to wear a face mask. Um, I don't, but if, you know, technically, you know, they, they could come up and harass me for that. Um, and that's how the state operates. I get, I, I get that. I've always opposed, opposed it. Um, that's not a surprise to me. What's a surprise to me is all the people around me who not only are willing to go along with it, but go along with it to the extent of like, you know, attacking the people who don't go along with it. And it's, there, there are so many layers to that. You know, one, I guess, you know, I see that as an assault. That's it's it's not a, a literal assault because they're not the ones coming to my door and saying, "Hey, you have to do this and this and this." But they're supporting 
the people who are, in fact, assaulting people, who are threatening violence against people who keep their businesses open, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And the other piece of that is it's not, it's not even that this is just based on, based on conversations I've seen and, and, and things I've seen people saying, it's not that they did a ton of research and have come to this conclusion that, yeah, you know, this is really the right thing to do. And, and um, yes, the government's, you know, taking away all of our rights, but it's, we don't, we don't have a choice. It's really, it's not like they've really even looked into that question. For the most part, it's people who've just automatically gone along with it. And that scares me. It scares me yeah. about that there are so many people around me that are that are willing to do that. But then just just on a personal level, it's like, what do I do with that? What do I how do I how do I not become tribal in the face of people who are like seem to be this this horde of some barbarian tribe descending on me? How do I, what would be an NVC way of, of approaching that quandary? Well, to me, that's the most important place for NVC is in how we're processing the experiences we're having one-on-one in the world. So I would say two things come to mind. One, um, to me, NVC is a little bit like the oxygen mask on an airplane. You know, you take care of yourself first. So I have the same situation, same experience that you do. And I find myself struggling with it, but I would say the primary place I put my focus is on what's happening for me because the primary, my primary need right now is for safety. And I feel the same fear you do. And it's real. It's real. The, 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 um, the threat is very real and it scares me. And the more I can say that to myself, I feel anxious or I feel angry because I have a need for safety. There's something about saying that, recognizing, looking on the list for those words that makes me go, and I feel more peaceful. No, it's not great. It doesn't solve the problem, but it, it, it keeps my agitation, um, down when I can recognize what's happening because I understand it. And of course it makes Mm -hmm. sense. I'm speaking the truth. The truth is we are in danger and um, we, we shouldn't pretend we aren't, we shouldn't, we shouldn't talk ourselves out of that, that animal primal fear. It's warranted. So I think recognizing it is the first step. And then I would say there is some, I have not, I struggle very much to use my NVC in interactions with other people who I, who I'm feeling tribal tension with. So Mm -hmm. I, I haven't felt like I have enough resources to do that. I haven't chosen to do it because it's, it's hard. I've, I've tried here and there, like you said, on social media, um, primarily, but I have to back out of those conversations pretty quickly because, um, I have to protect my own state of mind. Mm -hmm. You know, I have to protect sort of my own, my job is to try and maintain peace just in the boundaries of my own skin and then my family and my household and then my small circle. So the further out I get, the less motivated I am to spend Mm -hmm. my, my, my energy but I could if I wanted to. And so what I would maybe do if, if I were in a, in a conversation, and I know I, I'm, I, I have a desire to unplug from a lot of people who have, I've considered good friends over the years because they are direct threats to my safety and my children's safety. They are. And I hate to say that, but, it, but I, it's, it feels better to say it out loud right. than to sort of imagine that that's not the case or to just feel the tension and not name it. So um, 
So if you wanted to engage somebody, somebody who you felt was reasonable and you just made the decision, hey, this is a situation where I where I would like to engage it with, with my NVC skills, uh, you can try to reach out with a sense of, okay, what are get curious about what the other person's unmet needs are. I actually think the people who are who are mindlessly supporting um, policies that threaten half the, I don't even know how much, how, how much of the nation, but who, who threaten people, other people, that threaten other people. I think they're unaware, but I think there's room to help bring understanding to some of them about wh- where you're coming from. So maybe the conversation could go something like, yeah, I notice you support that vaccine mandate. You know, is, I wonder, is it, does that meet a need for, does it make you feel scared to not have a vaccine mandate? Are you scared of COVID? You know, get curious rather than defensive mm-hmm. and you might actually get in to, you know, you might actually get help that person develop some awareness of what's actually driving their decisions. And if you can, you know, you can do that. And you can also say to them, you know, when you, when you, that, that, when you say you support that mandate, I feel scared because I am aware of the risks and, and I'm scared. I have a child. I'm frightened. If you can connect with somebody's humanity, you have a much better, better shot at actually making a difference and having an impact. Nobody changes their mindset because they're yelled at. Yeah. So if you can get yeah. into a conversation where you're willing to, and it's, it's hard, exhausting, work but if you if you care to do it you can get in and at least try to hear and be you know try to listen and it sounds sort of as i'm as i'm listening to myself describe the process it sounds very feel good bleeding hard and it's really not it's it's more about taking responsibility for our experience understanding what our what our what's happening and what our needs are and then meeting those needs and then it's also about extending that awareness when we feel like it and when we're able to to um, to better promote to to, be, to get to more likely get the outcome that we'd like, which is maybe we'd like somebody to change their mind about that vaccine mandate. Well, you're not going to do it by shouting at them and calling them names, but you might do it if you help them understand why they support it. And my guess is that if they're afraid, you can connect with them over you're being afraid of the vaccine mandate. And there's some there's just at least there's opportunity for connection. And I think even if you're not able to change somebody's mind. Um, you have not, you know, you've, you've done one step toward peace, toward peaceful negotiation, because I think we've lost, we've lost the ability to, to even, you know, we clearly have lost the, 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 there's not room in our culture for debate, for actual debate. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we've even lost, we've also lost the ability to communicate with each other on, on uh, you know, small, on, on, on a microscopic level. And the more we can nurture those kinds of connections, I think the more likely we are to do, I mean, to bring about peace, at least in that moment, at least in that one connection. And we always mm-hmm. have a choice about that. If let's say we're with that same person who, who is in favor of the mandate, we can shout at them and they can shout at us. And what, what results from that? Just more hostility. We're more entrenched in our own tribal impulses. But if you want, if you try to engage differently, I, I believe we, we 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 are all we all still have human hearts beating in our chests, and I think we can still speak to each other's hearts in a way. This just sounds so cheesy as I'm saying it, but it's <laughs> I find it to be so true. I find it to be really true, and I've had that experience firsthand. Well, and there's also you know there's you mentioned debate. There's <clears throat> there's such a concerted effort right now, and I think more and more people. I mean, I've been aware of it for a long time, but I think it's becoming it's coming to the surface more. There's such a concerted effort effort to shut down real communication, right. whether it's, 
you know, a public forum or, you know, debates. I mean, you see it all the time now. There's, there's actual censorship yeah. going on. There's, you know, the, the, the people, to, to use the vaccine example, you know, try, try getting someone on the pro-mandate side to debate RFK Jr. or, or Del Bigtree or somebody. No. They won't do it. There, there's just... So there's a concerted effort against real communication, but it's also become this cultural norm now. And so I feel like what you're talking about, actually reaching across and and having genuine right. communication with other human beings, that's a radical act. Well, it was a radical act. I mean, when, when Rosenberg started doing this, it was um, it was incredibly radical. And it's it's creating taking a, a system wide problem. And we all want these systemic solutions, but but it's taking um, a systematic problem and and creating a you know a personal solution like like um, something you can do as an individual that you don't right. have to rope in you know fifty one percent of the people living around you or get you know big money behind you or anything like that. It's something you can do as an individual, and it's an act of of I mean the word the word disobedience isn't even strong enough. It's an act of 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 resistance. Mm-hmm. I I believe that what you said is I agree with what you said about um, us being tools for the power structure. If we can hate each other and and fear each other, they win. They win every time. And so what I can do as a, as my little act of rebellion is is not hate in the moment. I'm not going to say I'm not going to hate in every moment, but I have the ability to not hate. I can choose to hate or I can choose to understand. And I don't do the understanding for anybody else's benefit. I do it for myself. And, um, and I do it, I think for the, for the cause, I don't want to, I don't want to be a tribal being. I don't want to be a, an unconsciously acting hostile tribal person. And, and of course the wiring is all there. So I could very easily, if, if, if left unchecked, I would be behaving like a chimp also. We all would. So it takes a great deal of effort to try something different and, and, and to, and to tr- develop a practice that allows us to move out of the rut of reactivity, tribal reactivity, and into something that's just different. And it's experimental. Try it out. See how you feel coming out of um, an interaction after you've used it or coming out of a, a practice group or... And see how how does it work? Uh, what do you get out of what, what do you what kind of result or outcome do you want? That's really what NVC focuses on. What is your outcome? And and typically connection is the outcome if you practice well, and disconnection is the outcome if you if you follow the old sort of tribal um, brain the the tribal thought patterns. So that's a choice. Do I want disconnect? Do I want to participate and create more disconnection in the world? I actually don't. I'm going to do it a lot of the time, but but maybe there are relationships where I really I really would rather maintain connection, and I want to stretch myself to see if I can. And I certainly want to maintain connection with myself and my immediate circle. So so the practice is about maintaining connection, creating connection, and I think I think the state wins when we hate each other. And when we're at each other's throats, because they don't have to be then. It, they, they've, and it keeps they've the attention off armies. of them. Say that again? It keeps the attention off of them too. Right. And they don't have to do any of the work. They don't have to train soldiers to do it. They've got, they've got it, they've got it worked out. And so the, the, the less I can participate in that, the better I feel. Um, and I should say, there are some friendships that are just going to end for me. You know, I mean, there's just no coming back for a lot of relationships through this. And that's, that's, that's 
but that's intentional and I'm doing that, you know, that's going to be a conscious decision. And um, I just don't want to be a hostile. I don't want to live in a hostile body. You know, I don't want my day-to-day experience to be one of just waiting for the next trigger and knowing I've got no control over when and where it comes. And I want to know that I can manage those when I see somebody, the guy who just drove down the street, um, you know, with playing his F Trump music really loudly. I don't love Trump, but he, you know, to me, that's an act of aggression. You know, you know, I just, I, 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 I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to engage that part of myself. I'd like to, I'd like to be a part of a civilized, peaceful world. And the only way I know to do that is to practice it in my own very small life, in my own interactions, that that's all I know to do. Awesome. Where do people go? What resources are available? What, oh, shoot. If someone I wants to learn more, you can always, you can send me stuff and I can put it in the show notes, but I'm um, like, well, you can go to, um, there's, there is a, a national organization, nonviolent communication. That if you just look it up, if you duck, duck, go it, um, nonviolent communication. And then there are the lists of practice groups state by state. There aren't a ton of practice groups. I would recommend getting, you know, checking out one of Rosenberg's books. He has several, um, and they're all, you know, similarly good about the practice and what it's about. One of the things I loved about him as as a last minute plug for him is that um, he definitely saw the the state as um, uh, a gang. So he, he was really clear. A lot of times I'll get into these practice groups and people still, they exempt the state. It's coercive, you know, nature from all of the things we're talking about. And so um, he was really clear. Yeah, the state is the biggest, you know, the biggest bully on the planet. And so he wasn't a fan. Um, and so anyway, that's one last minute. One, one more nice. reason why I really like him and appreciated him. But his work was really interesting. He did a lot of work negotiating between warring tribes in Africa. That was, oh, he would, wow. he'd, he'd be hired in to try to negotiate and to try to, resolve conflicts and he was successful and it was his you know years and decades of observation that allowed him to put together a practice that that you know we can all kind of uh use easily and there are practice groups and and i think reading the books is probably a good stuff he's there's some old videos he's not alive anymore but there are videos on youtube um i should have i should have thought about resources before no no i can i can put them in the show notes i can always put them in the show notes thank you for coming on um thank you i'm gonna have to have you come back and talk more about this and um, I'm going to try really hard not to say it. So <laughs> don't say it. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. Okay. okay. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>